Let us read the scripture this morning together. Tell your children about it in the years to come, and let your children tell their children. Pass the story down from generation to generation. This came from the book of Joel, chapter 1, verse 3. This is the word of God for all people. If I'm going to be honest, I don't like Mother's Day. I don't like Father's Day either. I also don't really love Sweetest Day or Valentine's Day or any of those other holidays. Because I feel like if we can't appreciate and love the people around us every day, we don't need a day. We don't need a day. But since popular culture is that today is Mother's Day, happy Mother's Day to all of you moms, grandmas, aunts, sisters, friends, those with kids, those who have wanted children, those who have adopted children, those who have adopted children, not legally, but in their hearts, This day is for you. This service is for you. But this sermon today is for every one of us. While we were in the throes of COVID, I struggled with my mortality. And I remember during a particularly fun panic attack, (laughs) sitting in the bathroom on the bathroom floor with Jeff in front of me, trying to talk me out of, you know, like my own head. Um, All I could think about is what, what am I leaving my kids? What legacy am I leaving for my children and my children? And once I was no longer, you know, like mentally dealing with COVID and my own mortality, I decided that every day is going to be something that I can give to my kids. My, my biological children, my unbiological children, all of your kids who you have blessed me with in youth group, and not just the kids, everybody that I come in contact with. Every day, I choose to live, live out my legacy, something my kids can look back and say, hey, my mom did this. Hey, my mom taught me this. And so I was thinking about things that I've learned from not just the women in my life, but the men as well. I found this on the internet. And it's um, entitled, Things My Mom Taught Me. Now, just a little clarification. I might have added a few things, but a lot of these weren't exactly 100% true in our house. (laughs) Calm down, Mom. It's okay. (laughs) 
My mom taught me to appreciate a job well done. If you're going to kill each other, can you at least do it outside and just clean this house? <laughs> My mom taught me religion. Girl, you better pray that comes out of the carpet. <laughs> Listen, these came from the internet. Mom, I will add more at the bottom. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> My mom taught me logic. Because I said so, that's why. How many times do you guys hear that? Too many times. My mom taught me how to meet a challenge. Girl, you better answer me when I talk to you and don't you dare talk back to me. I mean, I heard that once or twice. My mom taught me foresight. You better make sure you have clean underwear on just in case you're in an accident. My mom taught me about the science of osmosis. Shut your mouth and eat your dinner. My mom taught me about contortionism. Would you just look at the dirt on the back of your neck? My mom taught me about envy. You know, there are millions of less fortunate children in this world who do not have a wonderful mother like you do. My mom taught me about justice. One day you'll have kids, and I hope they are just like you. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. These are some of the ones that I've added on here. Whew. Sorry, it's warm up here. My mom taught me that the best way to heal a cold, it's chicken soup. The Price is Right, 7-Up, and Green Jello. And this one's for my grams. My grams, my grams taught me that the best way to heal anything is a cup of hot tea with honey and lemon. And you better not throw a honey lemon cough drop in there and call it honey and lemon because it's not the same. You know, while we're chuckling at some of these, we do have some biblical principles that need to be passed on to the next generation so that they will be prepared for the time when their faith and life or even their relationships are tested. So our scripture today comes from a man of God in the Old Testament. God had given the prophet Joel a powerful message to share with others. And it was, tell your children of it, and let your children tell their children, and their children another generation. God is making it very, very clear to us that we are to pass on the things that God has taught us to the next generation. We're not to keep our experience of learning God's truth to ourselves. We are to share what we've learned. And you don't have to be a biological parent to do this. Every single adult needs to be aware of his or her responsibility to the next generation. Anytime you're around someone younger, you have that chance to positively influence him or her, and you really do need to take advantage of that opportunity. We all do. Whether it's a kid right here in our four walls, or a neighborhood kid who needs an older person in his or her life, 
or you know what, maybe even someone in your family. It could even be a toddler who comes to you who has changed your life. <laughs> Riker's crazy, just so everybody knows. He's crazy. I forgot that toddlers are crazy. I don't want to go back to those days. God wants you to share your knowledge, your wisdom, and your expertise. But you know what? The Bible does talk about how adults become unavailable to the next generation. Their children are honored, but they do not see it. Their children are disgraced, but they do not see it. They only feel the pain of their body and feel sorry for themselves. This comes from the book of Job, chapter 14, verses 21 and 22. A lot of us adults are walking around in utter selfishness. I am I'm guilty. I am guilty, okay? We see nothing but our own problems, and we're so maybe so self-focused, maybe a little self-centered, that we spend a lot of time feeling sorry for maybe ourselves or, you know, focusing on whatever situation that we're embroiled in, and we miss the opportunity to take that to our younger generation. Friends, we have a choice. We can live joyful lives by focusing on others, or we can lead lead these miserable lives by focusing on ourselves all the time. If you want to stop the misery of feeling sorry for yourself, start looking at the needs of others. If you want to pull yourself out of this depressed state you might be in, take take your eyes off of you and look at someone else's needs. And honestly, a great place to start is to take a look at our next generation. Look at the kids and the youth right here among us today. Look at the kids and the youth of our culture and think about how you can positively influence their lives. And then they will take that and they will positively influence the next generation. When we first came here over 11 years ago, we were not in the best place. I think you would agree. Um, we were disconnected from, our, from my home church. We were out in LaGrange where we knew nobody. We had a baby. We had a toddler and a baby. Man. We didn't know where we belonged. And then we came here. And the minute we walked through those doors, I knew we were home. Do you know why? Because I saw Darwin and Freddie Ellsworth, who I have grown up with. Because I saw Steve and Linda Moore, also, who I've grown up with. But nothing prepared me that first Sunday. Oh, you know who else I saw? Sue Denham. Because when I was hugely pregnant with Callie, I went through my lay servant training with Sue, and we bonded. But I didn't know how creating the connection here was going to change how I view my legacy. And it's because of the legacy of others and the values and the morals of others that were illustrated to myself and to Jeff that we, I feel, have thrived. It wasn't because of us. It wasn't because of us. It was because God brought us here.
you might be thinking, well, how do we, how do we do all of this? How do we share our life with other people, with kids? Well, the Bible is a good place to start. It doesn't just tell us what, it tells us how. How do we effectively communicate and convey the spiritual truths that God has shown us to the next generation? God's word places an emphasis in a lot of areas, but I've narrowed it down a little bit for you. The next generation needs wisdom and knowledge. Proverbs 16.16 says, "It's It's much better to have wisdom and knowledge than silver and gold. The book of Proverbs, which is originally written for the next generation, says that it is better to have knowledge and wisdom than material things. It's better to be spiritually smart than to have a bunch of stuff, a lot of money. You know what? I think, though, before we can pass this nugget of truth on to our next generation effectively, we have to settle that in our own minds. How often do you feel like, oh, so-and-so got a new car. I think, I think it's time for me to, to get a new car. Or, um, oh my gosh, did you see that couch your brother and sister-in-law just got? Well, I think it's time to get a new one. Or, um, mom, did you see that new iPhone that just came out? I don't care that it's a gazillion dollars. I gotta have it. We don't have to keep up with the Joneses, friends. One illustration that I really like um, for this topic is um, about the traveler who was in between flights in an airport. She had gone to the shop and bought a small package of cookies and a newspaper. She sat down with her newspaper And she was reading along when all of a sudden she could hear a rustling behind her newspaper. She folded it down and looked over and there was this neatly dressed elderly man sitting next to her, enjoying her cookies. (laughs) She was flabbergasted, but she didn't want to make a scene. So she leaned over And she took a cookie herself from the same package. Now, a minute or two passes, and there's more rustling. He was helping himself to another cookie. By this time, they were at the end of the package of cookies. But she was so angry, she didn't want to say anything. And then to add insult to injury... The gentleman took the final cookie, broke it in half, and shared it with her. (laughs) Still fuming as she waits for her plane, sometime later when her flight was announced, the woman got up, opened her purse to get out her ticket, and discovered her package of cookies. We need to come to grips with whose cookies are they. 
It really changes your perspective when you start looking at the things that you have as not being yours, but being God's. When we're little, we're confused about whose is what's, right? Riker does not understand that he can't go into my cupboard and take out all of the snacks that he's not allowed to have. Those aren't his. Those don't belong to him. Riker does not understand that he can't carry around a box of blueberry muffins and expect T.T. to make them now. So he's a little confused on whose cookies they are, if you will. But the Bible, the Bible is very clear on this. The earth belongs to the Lord, and everything in the world and all its people. That's Psalm 24.1. The earth belongs to the Lord, and what else? Everything. Everything. The answer to the question, whose cookies are they, is they're God's cookies. It's God's house. These are God's clothes. Those are God's cars. This is God's body, and I have something I want to talk to him about when I get up there, let me tell you. All of this belongs to God, and when you switch your perspective to that, to knowing that everything that you have is because of him... Life-changing, my friends. And then you want to shout it. You want to shout it from the rooftop. And then we're able to help settle that issue for our kids. I mean, I get it. Some of us adults still need to be reminded of that from time to time. You know, come to grips with the issue that everything I have is God's. It's not mine. God blessed me. Right? But if we're able to pass this on to our next generation, I pray that they'll be much less stressed. How do we get that next generation to see that wisdom and knowledge are better than silver and gold? We teach them. We teach them from a very young age to see themselves as stewards and managers of the things that belong to God. We teach them not to worry as much about whose cookie they are, but instead gaining the spiritual knowledge. The next generation needs to know how to live more than make a living. The next generation needs character as a moral compass. From Ephesians 4, 23, and 24, take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. Character is a word that describes morals and ethics and values and integrity. It's about how to be the right kind of person and how to do the right kind of thing, especially in tough situations, especially, not despite of. Every generation needs character. Living without character is like trying to find your way around Chicago with a map of New York. Many members of the next generation will be following the wrong map unless we instill biblical principles in their lives. Two great ways to pass character onto the next generation are to protect their minds from evil thoughts. 
Proverbs 15:14 says, "A wise person is hungry for truth, while the fool feeds on trash." The old adage is garbage in, garbage out. And I don't know if you've seen any of the YouTubers that are out there today that these kids are enamored with or the TikTokers or the whatever-ers they're watching. Garbage in, garbage out. We'll never be able to keep them innocent, but we could at least help instill the character in them to know right from wrong and to know to do the right thing. We absolutely have to teach our next generation how to discern what is true through all of the false media that is out there. If we don't start now, how are they ever going to succeed? How are they ever going to know what is right? One of the big topics in our house is social media. When's the right age to join social media? What social media can I have? Mom, can I have TikTok? No. Mom, can I have Snapchat? No. Why? Because I said so. <laughs> but it's an ongoing conversation, right? I'm not saying this is the best way to do it, but I do try to explain to the girls and show the girls when I see things that are scary and inappropriate. I do try to teach them through those moments. But I don't want to just turn them over to it. It's not about them. It's about everybody else. And I don't have the answers on these questions. You know, who can I trust on social media? I don't know. How do I know when it's true? I don't know. But we have an open dialogue. However, it is very important that we don't protect them from difficulty. Romans 5, 3 to 4 says, We also have joy with our troubles because we know that these troubles produce patience. And patience produces character, and character produces hope. Maturity doesn't come with age. It comes with responsibility. And how are they going to, re- how are they going to learn responsibility if we repress? Oh, my word. My words are broken today. How will they learn responsibility if we protect them from difficulty? The key to these two character promoters is balance, right? If you go too far to one extreme or the other, you are creating an imbalance. That imbalance leads to character development one way or the other. Kids, this is for you. You guys are going to be confronted with unwholesome ideas and suggestions. I get it. I know it. I see it. I get it, right? But your job is to know right from wrong, and it is our job to help you filter through all of that junk. It's not our job to be so strict that we shatter their character. That's why the Bible says, Fathers, do not irritate and provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to resentment, but rear them tenderly in the training and descent 
Ooh, is that even right? In the training and discipline, excuse me. In the counsel and admonition of the Lord, Ephesians 6.4. That's really good advice for every adult interested in training the next generation. We don't want them to become bitter and resentful. We don't want them to stop coming in this building. We don't want them to stop coming to us. So we do need to show them some respect. I mean, but we also don't want to be too permissive. Again, we're back to balance, right? So we need to find that balance. And lastly, the next generation needs convictions and values to live by. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, hold tight to your convictions. Give it all you've got. Convictions are the values that you live by, something you won't give up for peer pressure. First you gain wisdom and knowledge, then comes character, and then comes your convictions. Character is being right. Conviction is having the fortitude to choose right. The deepest and most long-lasting blessings in life, the greatest joy and abiding inner peace, come from making the right choices. And we have to pass this truth on to the next generation. One of the many great biblical illustrations of conviction comes from the book of Daniel. We all remember how he was thrown into the den of lions because he wouldn't worship the king's idol. Well, that was conviction. But his determination to live by conviction began began so much earlier in his life. Daniel made up in his mind to eat and drink only what God had approved for his people to eat. That's from Daniel 1.8. Daniel was a next-generation Jew, probably a teenager, when taken captive to ancient Babylon. But he didn't give up the tenets of his belief system just because he was in a foreign land and ungodly people were in control. That's conviction. You make up your mind whether you're going to do what God says, and you live by that whether or not it's easy. Daniel did this tactfully, and he wasn't a pious prune by enlisting the help of one of the king's servants. So let me tell you guys, kids, you don't have to be a weirdo to have convictions. Did you hear me? Did you all hear me? I'm going to say it again. You don't have to be a weirdo to have convictions. You don't have to be a weirdo to stand up for what's right. You don't have to be a weirdo to not follow the crowd. When Daniel was able to show that living by his conviction was better than living by the ways of the Babylonian culture, things changed. Do you remember what happened to Daniel? God promoted him. And others respected him because he was thought to be a person of conviction. Kings wanted to show, kings wanted to know what Daniel thought, so he became their advisor. Convictions produce passion, and passionate people change the world. It isn't the person who lives a fly-by-the-seat-of-their-pants life and does what is easy all the time that rises to influence and success in life. you got to work for it. But it's the person who has the courage to live by their convictions. I think all of you adults in here um, 
could agree with me that if our kids don't have convictions, they'll be captivated by the four main values of our culture. Pleasure. I want to feel good. Possessions. Uh, I need that iPhone. Prestige. I want other people to envy me. Power. I want to be in control. Convictions, my friends, must be modeled by us. They are more caught than taught. In the same way, encourage young men to be wise. In every way, be an example of doing... (coughs) Excuse me. In the same way, encourage young men to be wise. In every way, be an example of doing good. Good. When you teach, do it with honesty and seriousness. That's from Titus 2, 6 and 7. If you, if you, if you are passionate about your convictions, then the members of the next generation that you influence will pick up on that passion. If your life exhibits an honest reflection of what you say that you believe in, They will know the true value of convictions. Our behavior as adults has an enormous influence on the behavior of the next generation. If we are going to direct the behavior of future generations, we have to start by looking at our own behavior, adults. All of you. All of me. We've got to take a good, hard look at ourselves. Every day. How are you doing in some of the main areas that it takes to leave a legacy for the next generation? And this isn't just for moms, because it is Mother's Day, you know. It's for, it's for all of us. Ask yourself about sharing wisdom and knowledge with the next generation. Am I teaching character in the next generation, to the next generation? Am I modeling convictions to the next generation? Again, we have just been so blessed since stepping foot into this church over 11 years ago. Not only have we gained a church family, we've gained a chosen family. I have amazing parents. I have um, an amazing grandmother. But we were in a rough spot with the other side, other half of our family. And when we walked in these doors, if it weren't for people like Larry Babb and Sandy Babb and Catherine Forbush, oh, Catherine Forbush, woo, Pastor Ralph, Sue Denham, Pastor Floyd, and Phyllis Ann, Vic and Ruth Long, Bruce and Joan Foster, Fred and Barb Parsh, my dear, dear friend, Pamela Cunningham, I don't know where our family would be in our character or convictions. Guys, that list goes on and on. I could take the time to list every single one of you because you have brought something to our lives. These are just the people that, you know, pop into my head at 2 o'clock in the morning. But these are the people, you are the people, that have created a legacy 
that has stuck with Jeff and I, and also with our kids. When we step back and take stock of the people who have instructed and and encouraged us to this very moment in our lives, our relationships, our faith journeys, I pray that we all quickly realize that these people are the family that God has chosen for us. I know that Mother's Day can be tough. I get it. I understand. Because while it's joyful for me, it's also painful for me. And for those of you who, whose moms are home in heaven, I know it's hard. For those of you who have moms that had left a lot to be desired, I'm right there. I understand that. I know it's hard. So that's why we need the family that God has chosen for us. We need dads and moms Men and women, aunts and uncles, neighbors, friends, churchgoers, non-believers even, sometimes even random people on the street, teachers. I firmly believe that these are the people that God gives to us in the moments in need in our lives. And I thank God every moment for every one of you that has left a legacy for the next generation. And I encourage you to keep going. Catherine was, what, 90-something when I met her? So it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop, everybody. You can leave a legacy even at 90-something. You can leave a legacy even at 13 and 8. Start now. I pray... I pray that we all at least come together, united with the greatest hopes and desires that our children and our children's children and our children's children's children (laughs) will continue on with the same cornerstone values that have defined us and carry on with purpose and perseverance through life's difficulties, never forgetting who they are and whose they are. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for a glorious day to celebrate moms. Whatever that mom looks like, adopted, biological, not legally adopted, grandparent, Bonus moms, stepmoms. And we thank you for the ability to acknowledge the sacrifice and also are humbled not only by the sacrifices that moms made for us, just like you made of your son on the cross, but the sacrifices that we are all making in order to raise a better generation, in order to pass on the things that you've given us, the good stuff, the bad stuff, the in-between stuff. We thank you for all of that. Father, I ask a special blessing on those today who 
Maybe think that, eh, nobody's really watching me. Help them to know that they are. And their legacy will continue on. In Jesus' name, amen.